This episode of the podcast is from my chat with Bryce Aroni and Caleb from the Promethean Secular Frontier on the show Secular Soapbox, where I got to discuss my conversion to Christianity, my Christian walk, and then my deconversion and life as a secular atheist. The audio is ripped from the live stream we did, but the full video is up on YouTube. When you have time, check out the Promethean Secular Frontier. They are, just like I am, dedicated to promoting positive atheism. And the cool thing is, if you don't like one of their shows, there's always more. When I hit a thousand followers for the podcast, I'm going to do an entire episode in German. And you can help me get there by subscribing and sharing the podcast on all your social media and with all your friends. Jeder einzelne von Ihnen. Friendly Atheist Dad. I hope you're having a great day and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Welcome back to PSF for another episode of Secular Soapbox, where we have strong opinions from a secular perspective, and we like to share. My name is Bryce Aroni. I am here alongside with my co-host, Caleb, who I will bring in right now. How's it going, Caleb? It's going great, man. I had me one hell of a 4th of July weekend, and I'm still riding the wave. Nice to be back from the, uh, well, it was nice to have that little hiatus, I guess. We had a week off, so didn't do any content last week, but we're back. And tonight we will be interviewing the tall, friendly atheist dad, also known as Damien. Damien has a podcast of the same name that discusses issues related to creationism and theology. He has a website where he calls himself a skeptical rationalist and free thought thinker from Melbourne, Australia. And he wants to make the world better for everyone by talking people out of their comfort zone, by taking people out of their comfort zone and make them think outside of the box. And apparently he's also very tall. So let's bring in Damien. Oh, geez. H- hello, guys. Um, don't, don't, scare, don't scare me like that. So yes, first, uh, uh, first you, question, you, Damien, before we get into anything, I have to ask indeed, you, yes, yes. how tall are you? Uh, six foot four and a half. See, now now I'm a bit skeptical because you use the title of the tall, friendly atheist dad, yes, but... Our, you know, our boss, Josh, he's six foot seven. 
So tall is a very relative term. In well, true. Uh, in my in my work, uh, in my steel toe boots I wear for work, they give me about three extra extra inches. So I do get up to about six foot seven um, wow. in my work boots. But yeah, um, that's uh, actually if I I might show you uh, if I can find it. There's a picture of me in Singapore at Singapore Zoo uh, holding a snake. With all the uh, with all the attendants around, and um, they're, they're 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 little people over there. It's interesting. <laughs> yes, they are. Not to be confused with little people, as we use the term uh, here. No, right no, here. no. That's uh, can't no. Can't that's something that. different. So I'm yeah. curious. You you wear work boots that give you three extra inches. What do you do? Um, well, I work as a, as a, 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 in IT as as a field agent. So I'm out there with the screwdrivers and the laptop and the and the cables and like trying to fix things. Uh, but because I go to a lot of construction sites or like warehouses where it's mandatory to wear like steel toe boots and a high vis vests and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I just find it easier to wear my you know my my comfy steel toe boots everywhere. And yeah, it just it just makes people even more scared of me. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, that must be quite intimidating to have uh, a six foot seven person hovering over you wearing that it, kind it of gear. It certainly makes you stand out in the eyes of the customers, which is uh, which helps, which helps. Right. So, uh, Damien. Yes. Who are you? You're obviously Australian. Um, I love I'm your Damien. accent. I, I was mentioning backstage. You remind me your voice before I before your image popped onto my screen. I thought I might have been talking to Hugh Jackman. But um, but and then it was it was you. So uh, no. it was only it was only me. It was Sorry. only you, and, and yeah, the disappointment. But no, I'm actually very excited to be talking to you, and I'm very excited about hearing your deconversion story, which we'll start with, and and we'll get into a little bit of uh, you know your podcast and all that. But um, you know, tell us what your what your beliefs were, what they are now, and how you got from there to here. Yeah, no worries. I ha happily, happily explain that. So who I am now, um, my name is Damien. I am a, uh, by day, I'm a mild-mannered IT, uh, IT person. Uh, by night, I, how can I say, um, I, I jump on Twitter to uh, engage in conversations with Christians and um, try and make them think about what they believe. Uh, right now, I, I so... As I say, um, I am, I'm an atheist. Um, I don't believe in the existence of gods. I don't. I don't know what a god is, uh, and even if even if gods did exist, um, I don't know how they, they benefit the world. Um, and in particular, in particular, when we look at the question of morality, um, we I, I believe we can make the case that secular morality is superior to uh, theistic based morality systems. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, how how I got from there. So in my past, um, I will I was a teenage convert. Um, to what? The, uh, so this is there is a bit of a story. So um, I converted after the Gideon Society came to my school and dropped off a whole heap of uh, new uh, New Testament and Psalms. So they gave mm -hmm. these little books, probably about, like that that big. Right. Um, that you, you can put in your pocket. Um, that kind of stuff, um, and a personal crisis uh, that I was going through at home got me to, uh, how can I say, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But it was around that time when the Catholic Church uh, sexual abuse scandal broke out, 
And so I had this thing about not going to church. And I think my parents had a thing about not about me not going to church as well. Um, eventually, the first church that I went to was a Lutheran, Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I fell in with a, um, a what would you call it? A, a, a fundamentalist charismatic group that you know um believed in like you know demons causing causing issues uh baptism in the holy spirit um right. six six day creationism um that that kind of stuff um after i got sick of them um i went to <laughs> yeah there's, there's a story behind that as well um after after i left them i went, went to a church of christ uh for, for a couple of years and they're fairly mild-mannered people and then yeah. after that i went to a, a baptist church mm-hmm. And so, were you bouncing around these different churches because you didn't like the ideas they were teaching, or no? It was think- just it, well, it was just more changes in life okay. uh, for a start. So, for example, when I left my Lutheran church, the girl the girl I was going out with at the time went to that church, and you know, just to make things not awkward, you know, I left. Yeah, I left that and so fell in with this fundamentalist charismatic group. Um, then. I think the only church I've really walked away from was this fundamentalist charismatic group because they were very controlling of your personal life. Mm-hmm. They, um, like there, there's a bit of a story about uh, when my wife and I got married, um, our, our relationship. So in this church, anyone who wanted to date a fellow member had to run the relationship past the, the <laughs> leadership that sounds like yes. a cult. Uh, yeah. Um, in, in hindsight, yes. In hindsight, mm. yes. Um, but I was always this free thinker. You know, mm. in, in, in some ways, I was a free thinker. In some ways, I wasn't. But in, like, in this case, like, because I'm the one who has to deal with the relationship, you know, it's my decision to make. Um, but anyway, they, they eventually blessed it, uh, for want of a better word. <laughs> um, but there were, there were just other things as well. Like, for example, like if you weren't, if you weren't at the door 15 minutes before uh, service started, you know, they go, where were you? You know, why did you take so long? Um, really? Yeah, yeah, st- stuff like that. Um, they would, like, mark your attendance um, that you were expected to be at, like, you know, the Friday night care group or the, the Wednesday night care group. Um, if there was, like, a church-wide prayer meeting, you know, hey, you know, we, we need you, you know, you, you're, you're expected to be mm-hmm. in that as well. Um, one thing that might explain the mentality is that this church group originated in Thailand. And in Asian cultures, um, you know, the the whole thing about face is is very is very big, is very important. So by not going to their church, it's kind of like it's kind of like slapping them in the face. It's like, mm-hmm. hold on, you, you're causing me to lose. You know, I, I'm responsible for you. You're causing me to lose face. So next time, just make sure you come. You know, it's it's a bad look. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll cause the other members to stumble. Um, if people get the idea that you don't have to attend church, then people will start not attending church. And do you want to be responsible for that? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm dead serious. There was, there was Very like controlling. That. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, and, yeah, so I eventually, like, just got sick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm still friends with a number of the people in that church today. It's just that, like, the environment they create is very... Um, how can I say, like, you, it, your faith is their faith. The way you believe is, like, what they want you to believe is what you believe. And any 
anything anything contrary will make you be seen as like rebellious or not walking in the same spirit or sowing a spirit of discord right. well, like, like stuff like that yeah I, and i think i'm sorry ahead, Caleb, i'm uh, sorry uh, while you were a believer would you say that um were you the type of christian especially at first um in particular that felt that you had a lot of love for god or or like it was so profound at that moment that like it was the love thing that kind of got to you more than anything it was like a love of god that uh, got you into these different faiths at first no um what what got me in was so basically i signed my name in the back of this gideon's bible um so there's a story of how i came to believe and so basically um, my mum, both my mum and my dad grew up in, in abusive environments. And unfortunately for my mum, that meant, uh, schizophrenia. And so she would, uh, take out, um, you know, her traumatic childhood on both my mum and my dad. And for, you know, and that would, that would mean like, you know, like three day long arguments, stuff like stuff being thrown around and like screaming and, um, I think there was like a suicide attempt as well in, in there somewhere as well. And there's a couple of times where my mum was, was hospitalized. Um, so what actually brought me to faith was that I think it was like, like one thirty in the morning or something. And the art, the fighting was still continuing. And like, so, sometimes the fighting would die down, but then. How old were you at this would, time? Probably about 14, probably about 14 or 15. Okay. So. Um, yeah, and like up until this stage, you know, like I've been, I've been questioning whether the whole Christian thing is true, you know, um, because like the, the city I grew up in was literally called the city of churches because there, there's like churches everywhere in, well, I'd say everywhere, but there's lots of churches. Like I, uh, over my back fence, I could see a Lutheran church, and then down the road from that was a, <laughs> a Catholic church. And then around the corner from that was a church of Christ. And then uh, down the street was a Baptist church. Um, and then down the road from that was a Christadelphian hall. I don't even know. Uh, Christadelphians are sort of in the same league as Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. They're very, they're very focused on it, focused on end times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I like, as, as a dumb teenage boy, I questioned the, um, you know, the, the, the God question. Mm-hmm. And I think it was revelation that kind of scared into me. Well, hold on, you know, all this awesome, amazing stuff is going to happen. You know, I better be, you know, wouldn't it be better if I was on the right side of God? Um, and that, that was the, uh, that was probably the question that, that started it. And then what got me to sign up? And I think literally signing up was the best way of putting it was that, yes, yeah, so about one thirty in the morning, the screaming hadn't died down. And so I literally prayed, God, if you make the fighting stop, I'll sign my name in the back of that book. And like two seconds later, the screaming stopped. Ah. Right, it, was just, it was just this really weird silence. Let me, let me ask you about that. But first no, I want but, to answer, but, but, but I, like uh, to, while well, Wes is asking the question, is the Church of Christ the one akin to Mormons? Um, so... I, I don't know if you know the answer to this. My understanding of the Church of Christ is that it's more akin to uh, that that it is not the the Mormon Church is the Latter Day the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day yeah, Saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, what do you what is your understanding of the Church of Christ? Because I'm I'm not an expert beyond that. I know that they're not uh, okay. Um, 
Well, technically, it wasn't a Church of Christ church. It was what was called a Church of Christ fellowship. Um, so they had affiliations with the Church of Christ, so they weren't like incorporated fully into the into the leadership structure. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, they were very inoffensive about their like they were like a normal church. I had no um, like I didn't think anything weird about them, and like this was this was coming. I just literally left a um, a charismatic church, and so I came to this Church of Christ, and they were like you know normal people doing normal things it wasn't um i have heard stuff that the church of christ in america is almost like a cult mm -hmm. but in 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 australia definitely not hmm. definitely yeah. not and and I'll, I'll also say baptist when i when i say baptist um like i think you'll get the impression of like the southern southern baptists you know with the like fred phelps and westboro baptist and all that but in australia the baptists are literally the most inoffensive christian group there is Right. Like and, and also, I should point out, there's different Baptists in the United States. So there's the Southern Correct. Baptist Convention, which is probably yeah. the largest and maybe most well-known Baptist church. And that's the one that you're probably talking about. But then there's other Baptist churches that are not affiliated with the Southern Baptist Con Convention. Like, Correct. I know people who grew up Baptist, and they have completely different beliefs, you know, but they're, yeah, both, that's... But they're both called Baptist. So it can be confusing. I... It, it, it is indeed, 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 yeah. So, but in in Australia, um, like they're very non-judgmental to the point that um, in the children's, uh, so the, so this Baptist church I went to, they had like obviously the children's ministry, but they had like a separate band for the children's for the children's worship, and the guitarist in the children's worship band played in an eighties hair metal band. Like that's how non like he had like mm -hmm. the hair going down to here. And he had like the ripped jeans and the like the singlet and all that, and right. everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. It's like whereas if you tried that in my uh, fundamentalist charismatic church, it's like, oh, you're setting a bad example. You know, you need to cut your hair um, if you want to play in the music team because being the music team is a sign that you know you've been selected by God to you know that you're you're willing to whatever whatever all, all these excuses. Whereas in the Baptist church, you know, you can have tats, you can have long hair, you can come with ripped jeans. Right. You know. It almost sounds like they had different target audiences. Like they were, the other church was going for trying to get the younger people in by having having these sorts of allowances. Whereas the the more traditional church was had different views on that. But it, it's that's what it seems to me when I notice the different doctrines and of what's allowed. It almost yeah, seems uh, like they're targeting different groups. Yeah, you have a point there, but I also think that. Um... How, how can I put it? How can I put it? Um, I think even just like the leadership of this Baptist church I went to, like they weren't there to ram Jesus down your throat. They were just there to be good people. And like, I think for them, showing God's love meant doing things in the community, like, you know, um, like helping out uh, people who can't afford food, mm -hmm. um, sending money to overseas charities. So that sounds um, like our, our our equivalent to that, it sounds like, would be the Methodist Church. We yes. have the United yeah. Methodist Church in this country, and they're about they're mostly about that sort of thing as well. Yeah, um, pretty much, yes. Before you like, go well, on, I do want to give a shout-out to some of the people uh, in the comments. We have uh, Wes, of course, our producer. We also have Cat the Humanist. Sonny is back there. Noah Despain, who is a Baptist himself. So... We do have a mixed audience here. We get yes. theists and non-theists watching, so it's good to have a little diversity. And of course, theoretically, a friend of mine who always shows up uh, 
in almost every stream I see. And last but not least, we have PSF, who is, I believe, our fearless leader, Josh the Archon. So uh, Caleb, the boss is watching, so we, we can't screw this one up. But uh, <clears throat> try, try not to. But yes. Yeah. Um, Go on. Yeah, so all I was going to say, um, oh, I forgot, I forgot my train. Oh, so um, yeah, so I saw, so I read all the stuff about about Revelation, and I thought, hold on, I better be on the right side of God. And so, yeah, so I, I prayed, and I said, God, if you make the fighting stop, you know, I will sign my name in the back of that Bible saying, you are my Lord and Savior. And I it prayed. happened, you said. It, just... it, it happened, yes. And it was just really weird, like this really weird silence. It's like, oh, geez, hold on. And I thought, hold on, I'm a man of my word. I better sign my name in that book. And I better start calling myself a Christian as well. Mm-hmm. So I did. Um, I probably should have revoked my signature two minutes later when the fighting started again. <laughs> but, you know, a, a deal is a deal. Correct. A deal is a deal. Gotcha. Um, but I thought, yeah, from there on in, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm all in well, as far as, as far as I can anyway, as far as my understanding will allow. And so for the first... For the first couple of years, I was like nominal. I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't going to church. Um, I might have read the Bible. I I, tr- like, I, did, I tried to do all the good things, like try, like not swear, not do drugs, not sleep with with girls and stuff like that. But so I was more like a good person, Christian, rather than a Bible thumper, you mm-hmm. know, like that that kind of stuff. But having said that. Um, I did try to act religiously uh, as well. Like I said, like um, I believe God wanted me to say and do certain things at certain times, um, that kind of stuff. And actually probably one thing I will add is that I, uh, before I was a Christian, I was into Eastern spirituality as well. So I have, I had that. um, My auntie was greatly into like, you know, messages from beyond the grave, um, astral travel, all that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So you had that in the back of your mind when you found Christianity. And mm-hmm. so you, now you had kind of dueling religions at the same time, or at least religious beliefs that you were. Well, uh, well, the, 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 East, the Eastern spiritual side kind of got kicked out when someone told me that like being a psychic is equivalent to witchcraft. <laughs> right. Well, that's so, yeah, that. the Bible suggests it. So yes. I don't know how well, much time I, you've spent in the Bible, but there are, it does suggest that depending on how you read it correct they're correct, both bad I, in the bible yes but um uh, like this this guy seemed to know what he was talking about so i better take his advice and mm-hmm. um yeah um so from there um so i started going to a, a lutheran church because my my girlfriend was going there at the time and yeah we just uh like I think I think I also went there because it kind of uh, validated my Christian beliefs. Well, hold on, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm going to a church. You know, hey, it's a like the fact that me and my girlfriend are sexually active may put paid to that, and I may have an anger problem as well, and all this other stuff. But hey, you know, at least I can now think of myself as somewhat of a proper Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Then from there, yes, yeah, so her her and I her and I broke up. Um. She went behind my back. Uh, and I think she did me the biggest favor I could never ask for, to, to be honest. Um, and so then from there, I was at university, and this this guy who looks a bit like Joel Osteen came up, and we started having a uh, conversation about you know spirituality and Islam. And was it Joel Osteen? No, it wasn't. No, he was he was he was way more dorkier, um, much more pasty, much more much more fragile. You sure it wasn't but, Joel Osteen? I'm pretty sure. Sounds like you're describing. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
No, um, he he was driving a he was driving a beat up old car. So if it was oh, Jolo, it was Jolo right. standing in, in, correct. If it was Jolo standing in disguise, I'd probably go, yeah, that's a, um, yeah. So from there, um, so yeah, I fell in with this university outreach group, um, and I think what attracted me to them was that they were really serious about you know spreading the gospel, um, you know, salvation for people, um, and I think also the the fundamentalists in me liked that it enforced behavioral change mm-hmm. like so so one of the things that you can mark a christian by is how they behave you know if they swear or oh, they're not a christian if they smoke or oh, you're not a christian if you watch uh, secular tv shows or if you watch too much of them you know you're not a christian if you listen to secular music you, you're not a christian mm-hmm. or you, so you're not like you can be a christian but you're not walking with the lord and this That's is in the Lutheran in the Lutheran. No, 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 no. This is in this is in the fundamentalist charismatic. Okay, gotcha. I was I was gonna say that. The, I think that's specific to certain denominations. Because if that's yeah. that's the case, then ninety percent of the Christians I know aren't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> talking about um, Christ. There's only like forty thousand of these things. You can't keep them straight. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt. Did you know you can now support the podcast on Patreon? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash tfad pod where your monthly donations will help support what i do in producing enjoyable and thought-provoking material thank you yeah really shame <laughs> on you honestly you can really put it down into four basic categories as far as i'm concerned you have like your orthodox you have your fundamentalists you have your superstitious christians and then you have the liberal christians those, well, as far as I can tell, there's like the four main categories. And the further on down you go from liberal to the orthodox, the less likely you are to the other to the one above you to be a Christian. The orthodox is not very likely going to be looking at a liberal Christian and going, yeah, you're a Christian. Same. Uh, it, it's, the, it's it's just the way it goes. The, well, I was just saying, I was just saying Caleb, no, not, not a true Christian. Or, or right. not, not, not a proper, not walking closely enough with the Lord or, or, or being a friend with the world. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is more I so. Like you, so, so you might get into heaven, sure, but you know your mansion won't be as big as mine, right? Your your rewards in heaven will be won't Correct. be as great. Correct. And like, are, are you doing God's will on earth? Because like, you know, the whole thing about King David being God's man on earth and all, all, all that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, was, was was drummed into us. I was in um, a room yesterday with like six different Christians in a chat room. And there was one of the Christians that was in there that was saying to the rest of the Christians that uh, he was literally the only Christian in that chat room and the rest were wannabes. Oh, it happens, man. It's a very common thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I always, because I had been told things similar to that when I was a Christian. And then I would always just hit them with, um, let there be no divisions among you. So I'm following that. Why aren't you? You know, it's, it's, it's tit for tat. But, um, so, David, you are deep in Christianity at this point, and Correct. you. So, at what point do you start questioning or, you know, wow. finding your way out of? Well, um, probably, probably about fifteen years later. Okay, is, so most is, of your is, life is, you were in. Well, I don't know how. I, I, do you mind if I ask how old you are? No, now? I'm forty, forty-two at the moment. Okay, so we're. So I left. Later. I left. I left about seven years ago. Okay. And so, 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 so I converted at about 14, 15, mm-hmm. and then I finally questioned and left at about 35. So and what was it that made you question? Okay, this is, uh, again, the story. So what made me question was, um, I, how can I say, at the time, I didn't know that I had obsessive compulsive disorder. 
Mm. Um, I like I, I struggle with the symptoms of both obsessive compulsive, generalized anxiety, and major depressive disorder for a long time. But mm -hmm. the symptoms came and went, and I always had a spiritual answer. Always thought that the answer for that was was spiritual. You know, if you prayed hard enough, if you rebuke Satan, if you like remove the curse of sin from your life, or all that kind of stuff, right? And that would like give me a, a temporary uh, a temporary relief. But there came a time when that just didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could I could go to church and I could you know I could call up my uh, minister friend and we could pray over the phone for him to remove the demons from me, um, and that would alleviate the symptoms somewhat. But there was this one time, yeah, I think in my in my mid thirties when it just got worse and worse and worse, and it was affecting my sleep, my appetite, my you know, it was affecting how I saw reality. But the problem was I didn't know what it was. Right. And so... Well, you thought it was uh, demons at that point. Well, or not, not necessarily, but it was definitely spiritual and quite possibly quite possibly demons. Right. Um, so at this, at this stage, I didn't have the awareness of mental health that I do now. So basically what, what then happened was I went into the office one morning and the HR lady looked at me and said, Damien, why, why the hell are you here? What's wrong with you? You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. Um, and I basically said, you know, I'm, you know, I just haven't slept. I've had all these things on my mind or all, all that kind of stuff. And what she did was, was that as part of the, our, our employee assistance program, she, like, she got the company to pay for, uh, four sessions with a psychologist. Mm. And so what then happened was, was that, so I, I bit the bullet and, you know, you know, made the appointment and got the company to pay for it and all that kind of stuff. And what but you got a diagnosis, it sounds like. Correct. I was about to say, I got a diagnosis and it was that it's, you know, that feeling when you get told a piece of information that changes your life and you don't know how to process it. Yes. Because I, I will say that because all of the conditions that you mentioned at one point of my life, I suffered from all of them. Oh, In fact, I still do to some extent. So yeah, same, I'm familiar same, same. with all of them. Same here. The trick is in the management is, is what I find. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so it's like, well, hold on. Um, holy, holy crap. I've now, I now know what it is that has been affecting me. Like everything that the psychologist said made so much sense. Yeah. And it was like, well, hold on. So at that stage, I, I didn't, how can I say, I still held on, I still held on to my faith, but eventually I like, I thought that my faith was still doing good for me. So I realized, hold on, I will need to go through treatment and dig up some things from the past and, and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but at that stage, I didn't question my faith. Then then I realized probably about a month or two after, and after a few sessions, that I was living someone else's faith. I was trying to be the pastor in training that my previous church was trying to mold me to be. I was like, you know, I was walking their doctrines. I was, I was trying to live, I was living what they told me rather than what I actually experienced for myself. And I'm just reading a comment from Sunny and yeah, correct. Psychologists, um, I'd actually go one further and I, I would say that anyone, any religious leader should have mental health training, yes. um, especially, especially look for the signs of abuse um uh accountability uh factors stuff like that that's um, brilliant 
to maintain that 5013c status hell yeah i mean you, if you if, if you're going to be a church for the past that's a good idea I think that's well i'm sure that's not the motivation that damien was going I'm, for although i agree with you caleb but, i'm just saying yeah. that it's worth considering that's a really good idea yeah um and, and for, for for me in particular like i went through you know, 15 years worth of churches and no one picked up that you know i had these things Mm-hmm. You know, like I got told, oh, Damien, you, you're being rebellious. You're walking in the spirit of rebellion. Right. Um, or, or, all this stuff. No, because the book has it. all the answers, or so they think. So yes, or reading the book will give you, will give you, make you think you have the answers. Right. Between the, the book reality, and the Holy Spirit and prayer, you should have all the answers you need. So science, right, that is, medicine, that is, psychology. You know, if, if if the book doesn't give you that, and the Holy Spirit didn't give you that, you're never going to get it. Correct, correct. And if, if it's not in the book, it doesn't exist or it's not real or it's like worldly wisdom. It's not, you know, godly wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so basically what I then realized was, hold on, I was living someone else's faith. And so if my faith is genuine, I have to find it for myself. I have to be convinced of it myself. And so I, I then said to myself, well, look, if God is as loving as what I'm told he is, if God has given me these rational faculties, um, you know, if God has given us like free will and the ability, to, the ability to understand the world and the ability to process information and all that, and, and if God truly is a God of love and compassion, then God will let me use my rational faculties to discover if he exists or not. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started questioning everything. Um, so up until that time, you know, I'd been... Uh, I've been uh, in, in the worship team. I've been a worship leader. I've been uh, doing Bible studies. I did street preaching. I used to have a, a blog as well. Um, so I was familiar with the Christian side of the argument. But right. what I realized was that I wasn't familiar with the atheist side of the argument. So what I did was I allowed myself to finally read all the atheist material that i'd been denying myself for all these years because what would atheists know did you did you know properly what an atheist was when you were a christian um someone who well someone who either hates god Mm -hmm. or doesn't know what god is correct that that is the christian answer for the definition of what is an atheist not all of them but Oftentimes, when you are one, before you deconverted, that's what you think an atheist was, and then you yep, correct. learn that because, that is incorrect. Because, because you're almost trained to assume that you have the truth, and anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't have the truth is a, a, blittering, a blittering idiot. You know, like or hates God. Or hates God. Or yeah. I read somewhere, uh, an atheist is someone who hates God for not existing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, what I haven't heard that one, but that's funny. No, okay, I got, I got that one. Would you that. say for, that for, you were like, like fishing for what felt right while you were doing this uh, religious uh, uh, journey that you were on, uh, as opposed to what made the most sense? Uh, that is to say, no, because I, to... I, you know, I come to realize that my feelings and what I thought about reality could be completely skewed by what's in my head. Mm. Um, it, like if I came to believe that demons were causing um, particular issues, or if I came to believe that, uh, um, that, that that tapping on a window 15 times was able to stop my parents arguing, then that meant that, like, my 
interpretation of reality isn't as good as what I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to realize, well, hold on. What is the, like, what is a good independent way of interpreting reality or, or, or of knowing things about reality? And this is where the scientific method comes in, where, you know, you have a hypothesis. You then have to test that hypothesis against various data. You then have to, like, you have to positively build a case. You can't just build the negative case that, and actually it's funny I mentioned that because I've been on Twitter this morning arguing about the supernatural. And if you think about it, the definition of the supernatural is just what the natural hasn't explained yet. This is Caleb's favorite thing. Oh, heck. There you go. Yeah, so I, so he, him and I, I will be peas in a pod. No, I'm sorry. He's, he's being ironic. I, I don't, I hate the word supernatural. Uh, I, it's to me, it's a meaningless word. It's uh-huh. just a placeholder for we don't know, but we'll name it when we have an idea what it is. Well, I think supernatural is a placeholder for a set of ideas that um, seem to give explanation to things that can't that can't be rationally understood by the person trying to do the understanding. And and to me, it's it's an argument from incredulity. Well, hold right. on. I, I I don't understand why people in Victorian era London are getting cholera. It must be supernatural. That was until John Snow in I think eighteen fifty something finally worked out what epidemi- epidemiology was, and then we realised, hold on, cholera isn't spiritual. It's because you know, it's because of a of a, of a contaminated water supply. Um, if you look back at earthquakes and volcanoes. You know, or, or no, if we even look back at uh, like epilepsy or um, obsessive compulsive disorder or any of those other mental health issues or schizophrenia, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if this were 500 years ago, you know, like people like me would be on the scrap heap, you know, you know, dying at, at early ages because, you know, we didn't know what those things were. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, and I'll let you get back to the end of your deconversion in a moment, but I think that um, organized religion as we know it today has compounded this because there's still people who believe in the supernatural. But one of the things that the modern religions have done now that we have Bibles and Korans and these different holy books that tell us or supposedly tell us the, the past, present and future they think that they know, you know, despite all the science that we have for what yeah. actually causes these things, people who are raised in these religions and never look outside them can easily come to believe that this person is possessed. Ah, it says right here during end times, people will be doing this and there will be wars and rumors of war. And so that every time they see something, they will interpret it as a sign or, mm-hmm. you know, even if the scientific explanation exists, they, they will mm-hmm. still choose to interpret it via the supernatural, yeah. making yeah. a supernatural connection. Because- I really want to emphasize, though, that the thing that really sets me off about the supernatural is that it does, it's supposed to imply that there is some real distinction between whatever the hell it is we're attempting to talk about and nature itself. Like there's some, dis- there's a d- difference there, which is on irreconcilable. They are incompatible. They are not the same thing. And mm-hmm. nobody can explain what that means to not be the same thing unless they're talking about an idea, but even ideas unto themselves don't actually exist. So we're not talking about an actually existent thing. Supernatural things are proposed to actually exist in some way, but be distinct from the natural order. And that to me is really the crux of it uh, because we're talking about like 
to me saying that um, um, epilepsy is demons, even if even if that were the case, I don't think that's supernatural. That is part of the natural order. It, there's nothing there that isn't happening outside of reality or within yeah. the bounds of nature. It's it's just it's still a part of nature. So the, the word to me, like I said, it doesn't actually do anything other than say, well, I don't know, but we're going to we're going to name it when we have an idea of what it might be. Yeah. And I think that that's because you, for you, Caleb, you define natural as that which exists, right? It, it, the, the, the world or, or existence as we know it is natural. And so if you're defining it in that way, the idea of something supernatural doesn't make any sense because there is only the natural. Yeah. I, I don't see how something could exist that's distinct from, yeah reality right. itself that right. is to say that there's two categories there's reality and there's this other thing that's also a reality but distinct from reality well this, this, this thing this thing that affects reality but can't seem to be defined ah like it transcendental is. i can agree with words like that mm -hmm. i like that i'm fine right. with words like that paranormal even i'm okay with yeah, paranormal par yeah. i like that i used to be a <laughs> paranormal investigator that was part of my <laughs> deconversion process so i like I, I was all about that but uh, yeah. Anyway, just I'm I'm done, I'm done with my supernatural rant. That's it. Yeah. So we'll Damien is finding his version. way out of religion. He's yes. he's employing skepticism. It sounds like now. Cor correct. Well, upon I, your diagnosis and well, I suppose like just my diagnosis forced me to realize that the way I was thinking about life, the way I was looking at life, the way I was tying things together, just what just weren't working. There, there were fundamental issues that thankfully have yeah, almost been resolved. But um, yeah, like in terms of, I suppose I had to go back to the start. What is, what is a God? One, one, what is a God? And two, how do I know that a God has affected material reality in my favor? Mm -hmm. How do I know what an angel is? How do I know what a demon is? Um, how do I know what all the, all this stuff is? And so I started to, um, I, I definitely indulged on the atheist experience. Um, a lot mm. of the stuff they were discussing there. Um, there were lots of debates between uh, Christians and atheists on various topics that I, that I, that I uh, listened to, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. in the end, I just realized that it's quite possible that I fooled myself for the last 20 years. Right. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that is a, a common thing in religion. And, and what's interesting is all of the questions that you just asked towards the end, what is a God? How would I recognize a demon? You know, mm -hmm. um, how is this thing existing? Where would, where would the God have come from? Why yes. would it interact with me in this way versus directly? Yeah, Why or, 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 or like what, what is prayer? And this is the thing, like, is prayer just a concept? Is prayer like a physical thing that emanates from your body and rises up in golden bowls up to the throne of heaven? Mm -hmm. What is the throne of heaven? Where is it? What does right. it do? What is up there? And um, this is these are the type of questions I think that most people don't start asking until they're finding their way out of the religion. Yeah, but the, the, but the problem is, like, it's that cognitive dissonance that keeps people in. Like, if people are... How can I say told or trained or indoctrinated to believe that this way is the right way mm -hmm. and any doubt or any guilt or any 
any hesitation is because of either your sinful nature or because or you're weak in faith or one you're weak in faith or satan is trying to get his hooks into you which mm -hmm. is a very common one i heard in you know um and this is the thing what is a god what is a satan and when yeah. i realized well actually you know, one of the questions that kind of made me realize that i thought about this all wrong was i asked myself in the bible how many people has god killed yeah i i, I, see, I know where you're going with this but how many people has how many people has satan killed mm -hmm. uh, i think he killed like five right uh, well, it depends. Anywhere between five, five and fifty. But then they ask the question. I, I compare the numbers and I work out. Well, hold on. How is God still the good guy of the story? Mm -hmm. Now, the a Christian would argue. Well, God gave all life, so He is the giver and taker of life. So He's He has the authority to kill, and Satan doesn't. Therefore, <laughs> even though God gave permission to Satan to kill the people that Satan oh that's killed. true so that argument doesn't work I didn't think about that just exactly yeah. so Good so yeah, so, uh, so after after a while I just realized well hold on the most minimalist uh, view of the world is naturalism mm -hmm. and what we can what we can discover about it what we can uh, what we can understand about it what we can manipulate about it. Um, like if you can't, I suppose I'm being like a hume naturalist here, but you know, if, if you can't, I think Aaron Ra said it best. If you can't show it, you don't know it. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a very, very simple way. And I think Carl Sagan said that like ordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Oh, so ordinary claims require ordinary evidence. Extraordinary, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and like this whole thing about, well, let's say I got bitten by a dog. You know, if I, if I say to one person I got bitten by a dog and another person I got taken away by a UFO, you know, in which one am I lying? Yeah. Or which one demands the, the more, which one is the more extraordinary claim, therefore demanding the more extraordinary evidence? Correct, correct. And so, and so, but basically I went off the, what, what I refer to as the null hypothesis. Uh, all gods are false until the positive claim that one of them, at least one of them exists, can be verified. And I eventually realized that none of them can be verified. Yeah. And furthermore, all the evidence to support the claims of the existence of these gods falls apart under scrutiny. Um, at best, it leads to deism. But what is, what is deism? Or it's just a bunch of logical fallacies strung together. Like, for example, the Kalam. You know, if you look at the Kalam cosmological argument. It's have like, you, have you been watching this show? Have you watched the show? Uh, I've, I've done a little bit, yes. Okay. I've, when, especially when, when when our fearless leader Emperor Josh said, you know, you know, take, you know jump on and oh, I better find out what these guys are about. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, another one of our favorite topics. So yes, um, yes. So I, I wanted before we get too close to the end here, I do want oh, to no. talk about your podcast because you are you're an atheist now you've you've deconverted and mm -hmm. since then it sounds like you've been active in uh dare i say atheist propaganda that sounds like a negative <laughs> word but what exactly are you spreading what exactly what kind of lies are you feeding to uh, that, that um satan isn't real that, that's, oh, that's, okay. the, that's the last spreading no so the whole thing about my podcast is that i want to i don't want to be the guy who sits there and goes i hate god you know christians you're all idiots yeah, I don't. I want to be the guy who engages in in a thoughtful discussion, 
that like doesn't necessarily have to have a have a winner and a loser, but just so those discussions. Because what I've realised is that, like for example, if you get for example William Lane Craig versus Christopher Hitchens, you know neither of those two guys are going to concede defeat in a debate. But what those debates are about are for the audience. Yeah. So the audience, the audience can listen and make up their mind off of uh, off of those two off of those two people. And this is kind of what I want to do. I want to raise, like, be intellectual about how I present the the atheist the atheist slash naturalist side. You know, um, yeah. Well, I, I'm I, with I, you I, there. Like, I Christopher Hitchens really was one of the more crucial characters in helping redefine or not redefine rather. Um, uh, reorient how I think things. So for example, um, anymore, I, I think about these sort of questions in terms of like, is which is more likely that <clears throat> uh, people made it up, the God concepts, mm -hmm. or that there's actually some truth to any single one of these. And take the null hypothesis until I'm presented with a reason to think any particular one of these are demonstrably true in some way. I can't know demonstrably that these things are true. And if I can't demonstrate it as you said if you can't show it you don't know it so i think we're on a, we, we had similar tracks here uh from for our deconversion and i I'm, i love that you brought hitchens into it because what I, I i've had a lot of conversations with atheists and theists about whether or not he was a good debater and what i mean by that is is he actually winning the debates if you were to sit there and tally points based on like fallacies etc etc okay, yeah, yeah. yeah and i do have to agree that like for example in the william lane craig debate that he did it, it on a technical standpoint i do think that he lost the debate but as you had pointed out i think he really walked away the victor because he wasn't really playing that game he was mm. playing to the audience yeah, and I happened to be a member of that audience, quote unquote, oh, years okay. later when I saw it online, and it was videos like that, um, specifically that video. Probably it could have well, very well been the straw that broke the camel's back for me. But it was Hitchens in that era for me in my life when I was going through those debates and seeing stuff like that that truly helped to deconvert me. That is to say, I, I'm willing to admit that um, there there is always going to be at least as far, so far as I can tell some element of um a, a, a emotional baggage that we carry with us through this journey like it, it was a sort of emotional process like you, you have to admit that these things do appeal emotionally not necessarily logically or philosophically well and this is the oh, thing like emo emotion is such a strong is such a strong thing but emotion can also lead us to make the wrong conclusion as, as well so um Oh, what was I gonna, was gonna say? Yeah, so like, well, if we, if if our brains can be fooled by numerous, numerous things, then you know, one person saying I've experienced, I've experienced God, you know, this is what you need to do to get right with Him. And so, like, why should I, why should I believe you? And just because, and I think Sam Harris said it best: like, when one person believes a delusion, uh, believes a delusion, he's crazy. But when thousands upon thousands of people believe the delusion, it's called a religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just don't think it's also. I think it's important to to recognize that it's the religious communities and 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 um, the the mainstream religions. They don't have a monopoly on um, morality. It, on yeah, and um, tugging on emotional strings. Like it's not a bad thing, in my opinion, to necessarily play to a person's emotion, depending on who you're talking to and how you're talking to them and why you're talking to them. Like the it, the context is very important. But that said, at the end of the day, I do think it does matter whether or not you can validate your claims um, at the end of the day. Correct. But and um, is, to, to well, get well, started. Well, 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say there was there was actually a time when I was about to give my life to the Lord again. There was a particular sermon I was uh, I was I was listening to, and yeah, it tugged all the right heartstrings. It made me feel like, oh, geez, you know, hold on, there is a God that loves me. There is like you know, this overwhelming love. Then I then I realized, well, hold on, the only argument to support that is my emotions. <laughs> if if I if I stood in front of a jury or in front of like a, a, an academic conference and I said, look, guys, God exists because I felt this love in my heart. They're going to go okay. So, so what? Yeah, you and know, worse yet work. is that that there's no fundamental difference between that and someone else saying that uh, magical fairies exist because they yeah. felt love in their heart, you know, or yeah. that um, Allah or uh -huh. Zeus or any other of the religions, you know, it's the same the same thing there. Indeed. Indeed. Um, you mentioned. Indeed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. As I said, so with my podcast, I. I try not to take an anti-religious stance. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a number of the episodes I have had religious people on, if you listen to those, they're all very cordial, all very cordial debates. Um, and as I said, it's more for the audience to make up their mind rather than a knockdown, drag-out affair. But I also, like, you know, I do engage in a little bit of mockery just to get people to think, well, hold on. You know, maybe this guy's got a point. Maybe his, you know, maybe these songs we're singing in Sunday on a Sunday morning service are a little bit cringy. Maybe, maybe they're, they're silly. Bit, maybe what yeah, maybe a little bit silly. silly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to be the thing that gets them away from religion or gets them to stop believing in a God, but it is going to be the thing that makes them question a particular practice and whether or not it makes sense in accordance with what they believe, yeah. or if this is just something coming from the church. And then the yeah. more people do that, I think the more you start peeling back the onion to where you realize is this all just coming from what I was indoctrinated from? Is yep. there anything there, there, you know? I don't have any problems wearing my anti-theist badge. I mean, you, you had said that it was religion primarily um, that um, that seemed to fuel at the very least, or at the very least uh, stopped you from helping yourself um, think mm -hmm. about your mental uh, condi conditions pr yeah. properly, appropriately. Um, mm -hmm. That that's one example. I mean, for me, I'm uh, traumatized by the thought and idea of demons and hell. That's still something that trails with me. I've been an atheist for almost my entire adulthood, and okay. it still haunts me to this day. Um, certainly, in my mind, I think that um, the 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 punishment factor of of religion that they they like to burn the fear of God into you, literally. I think yeah. I, I'm, I have zero problems saying that as far as I'm concerned, that's abuse. Uh, and at, it's, it's at mind control if at, at a minimum, I mean, yeah. it, so. Well, I wanted I, to ask you on that and you mentioned morality a few moments ago, Damien, cause we've only got about five minutes left. So yeah, I know, we'll, so. we'll leave it on this point, but talk to us about, because in religion, you know, Caleb's right. There's the element of, fear that's in there there's the element of punishment there's the elements of rewards that we talked about mm -hmm. earlier and you know salvation versus damnation rewards and in heaven every every and every religion has their own form of reward and punishment right and, and it's based on these edicts right everyone they have their own rules about what yeah. god wants what he doesn't want so how do you as an atheist where do you derive morality from what do you think morality is and what do you think the best moral system is if it it's, doesn't come it's from It's actually God. great. It's actually great you asked me this because on the on Google Play on and on the iTunes bookstore, I have my I have my book, The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, uh, 
a response to creationism and why humanism is, a, is, is, is morally superior to the Bible. Um, I think I think on Google Play it goes for seven ninety nine, and on iTunes it's set at nine ninety nine. So get it, have have a good read. Um, so yeah. I think I think secular humanism is the best uh, morality system that we can use, specifically because it is concerned we it is is concerned specifically with how we improve ourselves as as a human species. What helps us to live longer? How do we cure diseases? How do we prevent diseases? Um, what reduces mental anguish? How do we, you know, all, all, all this stuff? And right. we, we don't find those answers in a book. Um, it's not like God handed down a thesis or, or a medical research paper to the Christian scientists, but left, left the atheists and the Jewish and the Chinese and the Greeks to have to do all the research themselves. You know, it was humans using science, using a, using a method of independent inquiry that got us to the um, to where we are now, and even if we look back through history, you know, priests weren't drawing up plans for police stations and courthouses and electricity generators and parliaments. You know, that was all humans working together to work out. Well, hold on, if if the king doesn't have absolute power, that means that people themselves can make some decisions for their own lives, and this is one reason why slavery is 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 bad. Is because I was just thinking that. You know, slavery is bad because one, it reduces the uh, the personal freedoms, but also the economic freedoms as well. When we allow people to trade and use their skills and you know barter their way up uh, in throughout society, people overall win. Yeah, you know, and, and it's and also dangerous to have a, another angle. People often don't look at it as um, it's also dangerous to live in a society that permit, permits slavery as morally permissible, even if you're the slave master, because a society that's willing to do that has such a low opinion of humanity that there's nothing to stop them from flipping the rules on you in the future, you know? Cor correct. Exactly. Exactly. This so is a, It doesn't benefit you to exist in a, a society that makes that, that a lot makes moral allowances for that. Well, it's interesting. Like, so in the, in the last chapter of, of the book, I actually go through uh, the uh, through the Confederate States of uh, of America and slavery as as a prime example of a society that was run by uh, conservative Protestant socially restrictive theology, and how that helped uh, people in that time. And what I what I found was that um, white people tend to live to about forty to fifty, which about the time was roughly the the lifespan of people in other countries. But black uh, African American people they only had a lifespan of about twenty twenty five. Mm -hmm. So when a socially restrictive Protestant theology is implemented as strongly and as conservatively as possible, what we find is that uh, economic freedoms are hand. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, uh, yeah freedoms uh, uh, in, in economy, in, in in academy, in in emotions, all this all this kind of stuff, and that's like really no way to live our lives, yeah. So, so I think what was um, whereas if we have a a morality system that allows us to know when we're wrong, uh, allows us to be honest with ourselves, allows us to correct our mistakes and to do better in the future. Like not to not to cover over the past, but to actually learn from it. And this mm -hmm. is this is one of the things that we're finding uh, nowadays. And this is one of the things I, I get really frustrated with uh, about Christians about the whole slavery debate was that it was Christians implementing a fundamentalist theology 
that you know literally mistreated and abused and and kidnapped and you know did horrible things to other people literally because they saw them as you know subhuman you know damien i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to have you on my other show now just to have a conversation about slavery because um this unfortunately it's a recurring theme in mm -hmm. these sorts of especially when conversing with christians and other believers and it almost seems like the conversation that will never stop that should have stopped no. a long time ago <laughs> no. you know if you send me the invite i'll be i'll be happy to bryce absolutely caleb uh closing thoughts on your end um, well, just briefly, um, this, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Somebody, uh, uh, cafe, I think it was in the, in the chat had mentioned something about, um, uh, the supernatural is not how I defined it, that it has more to do with being, uh, transcendental of our particular nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it, uh, uh, cafe, if you could remember what you had typed, you can backtrack and look back. But on, uh, is, I remember that my response was going to be that, uh, what you were describing as far as I can tell are just other dimensions or at, at a minimum parallel realities um not something that is not nature unto itself that's just somehow wholly distinct from the from nature unto itself so, but that's just um my petty thing um i also want to say that uh damien i i really appreciate you being on the show tonight i it's really fun to listen to you talk man you, you're a really good storyteller and i appreciate you being here man absolutely yeah thank you and I would like to thank everyone who contributed in the comments, uh, Cafe uh, among them. There it is. That was the uh, comment he was talking about. And yeah. uh, maybe if I were to piggyback on that, I would say that I think that these words are ambiguous enough and have so many different usages that it really could mean anything. I don't think it means anything. I think it means whatever the person using it, they have an idea in their head of what it means and it's not really universally <laughs> understood. So I always leave it up to the individual who's using an ambiguous term like that, especially if it comes with religious religious baggage to tell me what the supernatural is. It's incumbent on them to, to define the supernatural. And sometimes they can't at all. Sometimes it's a, just a poor enough definition that I find it to be not be usable. But uh, with that said, I also want to thank Ron, who was in the chat as well. But most importantly, I would like to thank Damien, the the somewhat tall, friendly atheist dad. Oh, th them's fighting words, Bryce. <laughs> you can, well, you're taller than me, so I, I have to at least acknowledge that you're tall from my perspective. Thank you. So um, you, if you are interested in more of his work, you can find links to both his podcast and his website in the description of the video below. Um, and for all of you who are interested in continuing the discussion in a more interactive way, feel free to join us on Discord. The link to the Discord is also in the description. And we will all rendezvous in the after party meeting room. I think that's the room we're meeting up in if anyone's interested. Secular Soapbox is typically on Wednesdays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Times. You can find links to our PSF, Patreon, and Facebook page in the description. Don't forget to like this video and subscribe to PSF, the Promethean Secular Frontier. And for Caleb, producer Wes, Sunny Shell, Kath the Humanist, and Josh the Archon, I am Bryce Aroni for Team Promethean. We will see you in the future.
thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.